0: Welcome to an episode of the podcast Art Insiders New York. My name is Anders Holst. The theme of the podcast is New York, with a focus on behind the scenes conversations with fascinating people who are making an impact in the world of art, design, and architecture. In this interview, Vanessa Saiz, the director of the Affordable Art Fair, talks about the 29th edition of the fair in New York City from March 26 to 29, with 72 local, national and international galleries exhibiting from as far as South Korea, Israel, Azerbaijan and South Africa. With contemporary artworks by over 400 established artists and rising stars and price points ranging from $100 to $10,000, there is something to suit every taste and wallet, whether you're a first-time art buyer or a seasoned collector. Vanessa also discusses the origin of the affordable art fair phenomenon and the vision behind bringing contemporary art to the global art scene. Very welcome to the show, Vanessa.
1: Thank you for having me, Anders.
0: When did you fall in love with New York?
1: When did I fall in love with New York? That was back in 2008 hmm. when I met my husband, who oh. is from New York. So that's when I automatically fall fell in love with New York. I
2: see.
1: Um, we met in 2008 in Cologne, in Germany, where I was living at that time. Hmm. And yeah, then I moved to New York in 2011. And I started working at the Neue Gallery, yeah. which is a museum of uh, German and Austrian art on the Very east well side. Known. Yeah, beautiful yeah. museum. And um, yeah, I was at the Neue Gallery for a year, about a year, yeah. um, working in visitor services there. Yeah. And then um, I came across Ramsey Fares, and in 2012, I started working for Ramsey Fairs, which mm-hmm. is the parent company of Affordable Art Fair.
0: So there are other fairs within the umbrella than the Affordable Art Fair.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I so see. Ramsey Fairs also organizes Pulse Contemporary Art Fair, which happens in Miami during Art Basel, um, and also recently acquired Volta with its edition in New York and in Art Basel, so we now do Volta, Pulse and Affordable Art Fair. I
0: see, that's why Volta has a new management.
1: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Ah, Interesting. Mm -hmm. So you met your um, boyfriend, then boyfriend, now husband in Germany, and you have a background in music and media.
1: Yeah, so I went to university to study media management and economics. And right out of university, I started working for a music PR firm that had an in-house record label. Mm-hmm. So I was working there doing PR for music for a while. I see. And, um, what kind of music? Um, mainly, you'd probably call it indie rock. So anything from... Punk, punk rock, to progressive, to metal.
0: I see. Yeah. So your wish was uh, to come to New York and, and work here and to settle down. That was your that was your idea.
1: Yeah, I wanted to be together with my husband, and who wouldn't want to live in
0: New York? <laughs> wouldn't. Well, it's usually work or love. That's true. Yeah, I visited the Affordable Art Fair um, during the fall. Uh, I believe it was in September, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I really loved it. I mean, I loved the atmosphere there. It was uh, a very nice, uh, happy, positive vibe. Uh, It was a lot of humor, and uh, people were very accessible, and... uh, I found it refreshing compared to many other art fairs that I also do appreciate, but has a somewhat more somber (laughs) approach to what they do. What is the secret formula here for the affordable art fair?
1: Yeah, so this feeling that you just described is really what we're all about. Mm -hmm. Um, When the affordable art fair was launched in 1999 in London, our founder, Will Ramsey, wanted to create an art fair that felt open, that felt welcoming, that provided a fun environment, an environment in which everybody would feel welcome and in which everybody could feel like they could discover and buy contemporary art.
0: Yeah. It's not only an art exhibition, it's also other activities. You have something called Features, Young Talent Exhibition, uh, a limited tote bag. You have uh, the Pigeon Cafe, uh, and then you have Under the $500 Wall, and then you have Tours, talks, stroller hours, and food and drinks. So there's there's a total experience here.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think this is very important to provide, um, especially these days. You need to provide an experience. And Affordable Art Fair has a very, very broad audience. Uh, we attract everybody from the seasoned collector to the art novice that has never maybe even never engaged with art before. Mm -hmm. And in order to target all of them, we create specific programming for them. And so in this programming, you see the talks and the tours. There's a big educational component there. And that is because we want to attract the art buyer of the future via our educational content. And we want to make art buying um, graspable for them. If that's a word,
2: oh, I see.
1: Um, something that they can get into, that they can understand, we help them to understand. Um, and that's why the educational component is so important to us because it really nurtures the art bio of the future. I see. And then we have more sophisticated programming, uh, such as the Young Talent Exhibition, in which we highlight artists that don't have representation yet, for example, or the Private View, our opening night. Art After Dark, which uh, also features a contemporary dance performance Mm -hmm. that caters more to the um, savvy art consumer, I would say.
0: Yeah. Let's do the director's tour of the Affordable Art Fair.
1: The way I like to lay out... The director's tours, we always start in the front of the fair. I tell you a little bit about affordable art fair. I'll try to assess who I have on my tour. Okay. Are they collectors or are they really just people that just popped in are interested, never bought art before? And depending on that, I give them a few tips to look out for as we embark on the journey of going through the fair with, you know, through my eyes, basically. So I sometimes give a few tips on collecting, buying your first piece displaying art in the home and then um, we start usually with the features i tell you a little bit about uh, the young talent exhibition Our under 500 dollar wall is a good starting point because it shows you what's possible on a small budget and then we go through the fair and i highlight some of the artists that i'm excited about that edition and sometimes the gallerist will actually be available so i introduce the gallerist Mm-hmm. and the gallerist will speak. Sometimes the artist is also in the booth, so yeah. the artist will speak. And it just also really shows um, the visitor how wonderfully our exhibitors and mm. the artists on site embrace that affordable art fair spirit, yeah. something that you complimented on too, and like are really open to talk. Mm-hmm. And sometimes visitors just need somebody to break down that barrier, and that's me in that case. And yeah. then we just have a chat with them, and we make our way through the fair. And then after forty-five minutes, mm-hmm. we take off. We do a little bit of q and A Q&A at the end, mm-hmm. um, and it's always really fun interaction.
0: Yeah, that's wonderful. No, I think it's it's important to break down the barriers because I think people are, you know, it's it, people find it sometimes maybe difficult to discuss art, or mm-hmm. or they feel that uh, they feel uncertain, and um, then there is the economic uh, part of it too that can be a little. Uh, disturbing uh, you know when you're having uh, when you're discussing to buy something it's an emotional question it's what you're Mm -hmm. moved by you know it's not necessarily what's a good investment or uh, you know if it looks great whatever it's how you how you react to it and and the the fun thing about art is that uh, when it hits you it it hits you you know it's not much you can do about it (laughs) I
1: fully agree and you know I get asked that question so much like what's what should I buy for investment Mm -hmm what's the hot artist to buy. And at the end of the day, it always goes back to you should buy what you love because in the market, that in the price bracket that we're in, the, the chances of reselling the work that you have in your home and turning a profit on that are very little.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And so you should just truly buy what, you know, what, you love, what makes you feel something, and something that you can see having on your walls forever.
0: Mm. So what are you excited about? What sticks out in your mind?
1: What I'm really excited about is um, the contemporary dance performance that we have Mm -hmm. going on during Art After Dark. It's, um, so what
0: is Art After Dark?
1: Yeah, so that's our Thursday evening event. Uh-huh. It's very similar to the Private View, um, which are both evening events. There'll be complimentary drinks by our partners. Yeah, um, Art After Dark is just really an event that caters to the young patrons of the arts, I would say.
2: Uh-huh.
1: So for... Uh, this edition, we have secured Loni Landon, who is a choreographer, but also a dancer herself. Mm-hmm. And she's currently working on a contemporary dance performance that will also have a musical element that um, visitors can experience. It will travel through the aisles. Mm-hmm. So it's something that you encounter as <laughs> you see. visit the art fair. And it's just a really wonderful feature, feature because it brings people people out of that shopping habit. It yeah. makes them stop. It makes them enjoy something else for like a little while. It maybe changes the way they perceive art. Yes. And it's just something really fun and, and dynamic to include in in this offering and i personally just also really love giving performance and music a platform at our fair because a platform is this wonderful tool to really highlight what's happening in art today um and so the performance is one thing i'm really excited about um
0: so you're mixing uh, you're mixing art forms here
1: i'm mixing art forms Yeah. yeah we do that's great yeah every affordable art fair aligns itself with a local charity and here in New York, um, the charity that we support this year is the Art Therapy Project. Um, the Art Therapy Project is a nonprofit organization um, that provides art therapy services to adults and youth groups. And we've partnered with them since 2015
2: mm-hmm.
1: and in various forms. And so, what we're doing this spring is we're hosting an online art auction together with the Art Therapy Project online that's going to launch beginning of March. Mm -hmm. So some of our wonderful exhibitors have donated pieces to be put up for auction. And that auction is going to end on the night of the private view at 8.50 p.m., so shortly before we close. Mm-hmm. So, every, What is the private view? The private view is the first look of the fair. So it's the Wednesday evening opening night from 6 to 9, um, where VIPs have the chance to view the art fair. And you can also buy a ticket for it. Mm-hmm. So it's just our special event. There's going to be complimentary drinks to make it festive. Mm-hmm. And so this online art auction together with the Art Therapy Project is going to close that night. So bidders have the opportunity to see the piece that they're bidding on in the flash. Mm-hmm. Um, they can roam around the fair. All the pieces in the auction will have a visual indicator. And then you can bid online. You can post your final bids. And mm-hmm. then at 8.50, the auction closes and you get a notification if, if you're the highest bidder. Okay, And you can take your piece home that same night. And mm. an auction is a really wonderful way to A, raise funds for the Ed Therapy Project, but B also is a great way to get your hands on a piece for a good price, I'd say. I see. Now, For our exhibiting galleries and participating artists, it's also a great way of additional exposure because we're going to promote this heavily in the lead up to the fair. And then on site, it's also going to be promoted during the private view. Hmm. So it's also really great to get additional exposure and also align yourself with a really good cause. Food is important, yeah, and uh, we are really excited to be partnering with DIG this year. Mm. DIG or DIG-In, but they go by DIG. DIG, Um, Dig DIG-In, okay. Which is everybody's favorite lunch spot here in the city. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they're all about um, providing wholesome meals with local organically sourced ingredients. And they're going to have a small cafe on site at the fair. Mm Mm-hmm. along with like a bar that we provide usually to really allow people to spend time there and linger. And we all know this. Sometimes you just really need a good meal before you make your buying decision.
0: Yeah. And a drink.
1: And a drink. Yeah. Um, another thing that I'm super passionate about and really excited about is the program that we have launched for trade. Yeah. We started doing that last year. We were hearing from our exhibitors um, that we should really consider the trade crowd more. Mm -hmm. And so we went out and looked what uh, trade, program at other fairs looks like but also what events are like that are geared towards trade Mm -hmm. and so last year we launched trade hours so specific hours in the morning of friday and thursday Mm -hmm. where the fair is open to trade only meaning interior designers designers architects art advisors Mm -hmm. they are invited to the fair following this hour is um, a talk series that we called lunchtime talks. Yeah, it's very similar to what a lot of interior designers know as a lunch and learn. Okay. So you come on site, um, you enjoy a lunch by our partner Dig, yeah, um, which is a restaurant that everybody here in New York really loves, right? <laughs> um, and then you listen to really interesting talks that are at the intersection of our design and architecture. Yeah. And this year we're. Partnering with the Female Design Council Uh and the Black Artists and Designers Guild, and they will bring on board panelists who will discuss um, topics that are relevant.
0: incredible. So what I find interesting here is that uh, on the one hand side you are broadening your offering to the visitors. As you said you could experience different art forms Mm -hmm. and there is talk and there is education and on the other side you're helping the the gallery owners to expand their base and I read that uh, you are also helping them with marketing to learn about the demographics and to learn the you know sales tactics and stuff like that so it seems like a very full package i think you said that in one of the articles that i read that the success is really in the joint effort mm-hmm. here
1: the joint effort is super important and you know not only do does affordable art fair nurture the art buyer of the future i think we also nurture the art fair exhibitor of the future we have a lot of galleries joining us that have maybe never done a fair before Mm -hmm. and we are their first fair um, that they participate in we, we are genuinely interested in the financial success. It's important to us because that's what keeps our fair alive, right? Yeah. So we share as much knowledge uh, as we can about our audience. We watch our audience really closely. We analyze our audience, and we share that with the exhibitors, and we share best practices that um, our exhibitors have developed over the years and mm-hmm. we've witnessed over the years that we ourselves have implemented in the planning of our fair that we think could be really beneficial to them. Mm-hmm. so that they also can play their part to ensure the fair is as successful as it can be. And this goes from inviting their client lists, segmenting their client lists, thinking deeply about what program to bring, how to present it. We sometimes even assist with the curation of the booth if mm-hmm. a gallery is asking us for feedback. And then it's also really um, teaching them the ways of affordable art fair. For example, one requirement that we have is that a gallery has always a complete artwork label next to a piece of art, so that an interested buyer is instantly seeing artist, title, medium, but also price. Yeah, we highly encourage mm-hmm. our exhibitors to come on board with because um, we know from what I've we've seen with our audience that that these elements um, are a key to their success at the fair. Of course, there's always risk. There's always factors that we aren't in control of. But the factors we are in control of, we want to make sure our galleries are aware of them and Mm -hmm. we want to make sure we give the tools to success to our galleries, basically.
0: If I understand this correctly, you have 72 local, national, and international galleries exhibiting. And they come as far away as South Korea, Israel, Azerbaijan, South Africa, uh, along with American galleries. What are your favorites?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. It's it's really hard to to really pick out a favorite piece mm-hmm. because there's just so much on view at Affordable Art Fair. And yeah. the way the galleries that participate in our fair operate, they do a lot of fairs per year. So a lot of time the inventory that they bring to the fair changes so much from the point of where they apply to where they come on site mm-hmm. so a lot of the works I'm not even I'm aware of the artists that are coming on board, but mm-hmm. I'm not aware of all the artworks that will be on view. I haven't seen images of all the artworks so it's always mm-hmm. really hard to tell. Um, I am a really big fan of Laura Dargan, who's the artist. Um, shown by Miller Gallery, who's also featured on our campaign. Mm-hmm. She's from Charleston, South Carolina, self-taught. I really like her work. Um, I'm very excited about her. And, um, yeah, there's just a couple of galleries that I'm really excited about joining us. Mm-hmm. Stella Ripley from Canada. Okay. Um, that gallery has a really interesting program. This is the first time they're doing our fair. But it's also really cool to welcome back all the returning galleries. The majority of our galleries is returning. Oh, because they do well at our fair (coughs) new york is a very desirable market to exhibit in and it's just wonderful they're at this point our family and it's just wonderful to see them see their program how the artists that they usually show at the fair have developed Mm -hmm. um, who are new artists that they're bringing on board Um, that's just really exciting to me
0: i see and um, so in terms of art forms we have paintings sculptures video art Uh, it's just a mixture of everything correct
1: Yeah, the majority is paintings, sculptures, photographs, of course, prints. Mm -hmm. Video works, not so much, just Mm -hmm. because in our price range, that's just really hard to sell. I see. And it's also hard to collect, and so our consumer is not there yet, I would say. Yeah. Um, But uh, our best-selling mediums is paintings, Mm -hmm. followed by prints, actually. The way we curate the fair is really we're keeping in mind the audience we're catering to has an incredible broad taste. Yeah. And we want to cater to all of them. And this goes for price point too. mm mm-hmm. So affordable art for you in New York City has the price ceiling of ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars and we have the requirement of half of the art on view being under five thousand dollars and that's mm-hmm. very important each gallery has a gateway piece that's priced in the 500 range to draw in a new buyer or a new potential buyer to I draw see. interest
2: <clears throat>
0: yeah.
1: And so we look a lot at price point balance Uh and then also a balance in styles to ensure that we are catering to everybody. I
0: see. You talk about gateway, like a gateway drug. Mm -hmm. So this is a gateway drug for uh, people who wants to start collecting art. It's also a gateway drug for the galleries, I guess.
1: That's correct, yeah. Some galleries come on board because they've never done a fair, so they Mm -hmm. just want exposure to the New York City market. Yeah. Um, And then some galleries... We've seen it over the past couple of years. Um, Also, want to join Affordable Art Fair because they want to present their program of lower-priced contemporary art. Yeah. Or maybe their emerging program. Yeah. They exhibited other fairs which have um, no price cap, for example. But then they also come. On board to join affordable art fair with their more affordable program because yeah. they know that um, we're really good in reaching out to the future buyer and i think that makes us so attractive to the galleries
0: i see the affordable art fair was founded in 1999 by will ramsey and you run 16 art fairs in 12 global cities
1: um we actually have 13 editions in 10 cities <laughs> that's As far as affordable art fair is concerned. I see, okay, all right. And um, yeah, there's two cities with multiple editions. Um, Mm -hmm. It's New York and then it's London. Mm -hmm. And
0: Singapore, do you do um, biannual there? No, just once a year. Just once a year. And how's the Stockholm thing doing?
1: I think it's going great. Yeah, um, you know that is entirely managed by our Stockholm team. Uh, we are not very involved in it. Each fair is ran is run by a local team because you have to have the knowledge of the local market. But so far, our Stockholm fair has performed very well.
0: We have thirty percent of our <laughs> listeners are from Sweden. That's why I ask. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm oh. from Sweden, so that's why. Oh right. Yeah.
1: Actually, the director of the Stockholm Fair is coming to Affordable Art Fair in New York to visit. that's great. Yeah.
0: That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, So, when is the Affordable Art Fair in Stockholm?
1: So, the Affordable Art Fair in Stockholm is happening in October.
0: Hmm. Now, your background is from Germany. What can you say about the differences in the the culture uh, comparing Germany to the United States?
1: Mm. That's a good question it's interesting because I also worked in a different industry when I was mm-hmm. in Germany so I also I not only switched countries, I also switched industries mm. um, but from what I can tell, the German buyer is less impulsive
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, takes a lot more time to make a decision I would say, requires a lot more information to make a decision I've never actually been to our Hamburg edition mm-hmm. but I know from what I've Heard through the company um, that the Hamburg edition is also very highly curated Mm -hmm. and um, more higher end feeling than probably the New York edition in terms of um, the program that is shown there. They all have the requirement of keeping 50 Mm percent under the half of their limit.
0: I see. But the
1: cap that is, for example, $10,000 in the US Mm -hmm. is adjusted in other countries.
0: I see. How do you select galleries? Do you select galleries uh, first uh, or do you look at the artists that they represent or how is this process uh, organized is it a committee or are you are you the queen of the affordable art fair <laughs> and you you tell them what, what we're going to do here
1: um we we interact with galleries and artists collectives so they apply to the fair we open applications usually half a month out from the fair and then galleries and artist collectives may apply to our fair.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's an application that requires information about the artists that they're going to show. Okay, imagery, a biography. When it's a new gallery, it also requires a bit of a gallery history, what their exhibition history is like, what what their gallery is like, a little bit of a gallery statement. I see. And then we compile this information, and then I review it together with our associate director. Because we are the ones that know the fair best, and we are the ones that know the audience best. And then we review it together, and then based on the applications that we receive, we try to create a group of exhibitors that will cater to everybody. As I mentioned before, we have a lot of returning galleries, and um, it is really important that we continue to um, give these galleries a home at our fair. But then there also needs to be a portion of new galleries to keep the fair fresh. What our visitors in New York want to see is fresh, 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 different experience. And we do this by asking our returning galleries to propose a different artist roster. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other way to do it is bringing in new galleries. So first of all, we try to uh, accommodate as many returning galleries as possible galleries that also do the other affordable art fairs we mm-hmm. want to honor that yeah. then we bring on fresh blood that we think could be very interesting to introduce to the new york city market and then we look uh, once we've identified our galleries roughly we look at where the program fits in um, and what the program looks like and if we see that uh, we're a bit too top heavy on pop art mm-hmm. we try to get um, a gallery in that is more um, you know like a abstract program for example so that's how we approach it it's always gallery selection mm-hmm. first honoring the returning galleries mm-hmm. and then it's looking at creating this overall I see so how experience. many ap-
0: application do you get uh, uh, per per season I mean now you have what 72 galleries uh, we have
1: 72 galleries so
0: how, how many galleries are applying each uh, each year
1: it depends um, it, it's really depending on um, how the economy is doing how other fairs are doing but for example this spring we had a hundred applications for oh. example Um, So there were 20 galleries, or over 20 galleries actually, that we couldn't accommodate.
0: Mm -hmm. I see. So you basically decide, you and and, uh, and another person basically decide uh, how this is going to...
1: We're a really tiny team, we're seven people in the New York City office. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And is there a chairman from London who, who calls you up and, and asks how things are going?
1: So, we in the US, we have a regional managing director. Okay. My colleague, Christina Salmastrelli. Um, she oversees the US business. Yeah. So that includes Poles Art Fair and also Volta New York. Oh, yeah.
0: Those other, yeah. And
1: so we, the three fairs, report to her mm-hmm. and she reports to the UK. Mm-hmm. And generally speaking, amongst the global affordable art fairs, There is a lot of knowledge exchange. We check in with each other. Oh, I see. We have a global marketing team that consults us on our strategy. Mm -hmm. And we have an annual conference where we see everybody from around the world and exchange knowledge. Yeah. So we are really tiny in the local offices. Yeah. we very much feel like we're part of a larger organization.
0: Has it happened that other uh, teams also bring up galleries that you have shown here in New York?
1: A lot of galleries that do our fair also do some other affordable art fairs. Mm-hmm. And um, on-site, when we see these galleries and we talk to them every day, pretty much, and a gallery will say, oh, I'm interested in the Hong Kong edition, and then I'll put them in touch with my Hong Kong um, Peer, for example, and vice versa. So a lot of times we will speak to to galleries that are interested in other fairs and then we put them in touch with the um, respective fair team.
0: The artists that are not represented by a gallery, you have this special part of the affordable art fair because one... One important mission here is to support young up-and-coming artists.
1: Yeah, so here in New York, the platform that we can provide to artists that aren't represented is the Young Talent Exhibition, Mm -hmm. which is an exhibition that both editions, the Spring and the Fall Fair, have. And we either highlight an artist directly there. Mm -hmm. For example, last spring, we highlighted um, New York-based artist Monica Hernandez, Mm -hmm. and sometimes we also work with institutions so this edition for example sva's uh continual education program is curating the young talent exhibition and Mm -hmm. we've worked with other organizations before there too
0: oh that's the school of visual arts Mm -hmm. oh i see yeah interesting so uh People can apply for that because I guess if someone is interested in this, they probably listen to this podcast so they can Mm -hmm. get in touch with you.
1: Yeah, there's never a formal application process. It's more like a dialogue that Uh we have with the local arts community throughout the year. And based on that, um, yeah, these, these partnerships are made.
0: So how can you get involved if you are a struggling artist and you're quite good and you want to have a relationship with the Affordable Art Fair?
1: Yeah, you just email us and oh, then yeah. we, we set up a chat and we meet you on site. Give you, you
0: can give your cell phone too, I think. As, as uh, <laughs> let's, let's leave it with the office number. <laughs> don't you have the affordable art fair uh, at the same time as the other art fairs
1: so we've always been a standalone fair Mm -hmm. and we are always a standalone fair part of that has also to do with us not being your traditional art fair we're a different event Mm -hmm. um, and we cater to not just the art community but also the lifestyle community you know sometimes People don't think of you. The, the art industry doesn't think of you because you are not a satellite. Yeah. Um, sometimes they forget about us. But yeah. uh, more and more they have been paying attention to us. And, and for us, it's really great to be um, during our own dates where we're not in cont- competition with anybody. Um, yeah, we can just do our own thing.
0: I read somewhere in 2000, there were 55 art fairs around the globe. And now, I guess this was in 2017, there are 260. So what explains the popularity of the art fairs?
1: I think part of it has to do with more and more galleries closing their brick-and-mortar spaces Mm -hmm. and really relying on pop-up exhibitions and doing art fairs around the world to sustain their cash flow – and then another reason why I think art fairs are so popular is because it's, for lack of a better word, that one-stop shop and that place where everybody from the art world gathers and connects. Mm-hmm. It's an experience where you see art from all over the world under one roof, and everybody comes. Yeah. Um, curators come, high-end collectors come, and the general public come. And that creates a very interesting dynamic and I think also a very fascinating dynamic. And it's just much more easier to consume art and buy art and learn about art than traveling from city to city, hopping from gallery to gallery. I think that's what's making it so attractive.
0: I read in a research by ArtFacts.net that um, a decade ago five galleries opened to every gallery that closed and now the rate is lower than 1 to 1 so that means that galleries are closing and so what why is that
1: i think if you look around new york real estate for example is just really expensive so a lot of galleries don't have the funds anymore to pay for their brick and mortar spaces mm-hmm. And then there's opportunity to sell art online. There's opportunity to market yourself online. And there's still opportunity through the art fairs to show your art to various audiences. Yeah. And so I think that's why a lot of galleries are reasoning with actually having a brick and mortar space versus not having that overhead that you have to monthly sustain.
0: I heard another theory about um, uh, the changes in the gallery business, and that is that the bigger uh, galleries the mega galleries they pick the artists uh up and coming artists uh, sooner in their career from the mid-sized galleries
1: it's nothing that i have insights to just Mm -hmm. because the galleries that we are dealing with are smaller galleries um very young galleries galleries starting up Mm -hmm. galleries without a brick and mortar space to mid-size galleries, and they are mainly dealing in the emerging art market.
0: One interesting aspect, though, uh, that I've been thinking about is how do you evaluate the fair itself?
1: Yeah, we analyze a lot after the fair. The most important metrics for us are, first of all, visitorship, so the attendance numbers that we get, Mm. and then also art sales. So, Affordable Art Fair is very much a cash-and-carry fair. It's a lot of artwork that gets sold on site, also leaves the fair that day mm-hmm. or at the end of the show. And those sales that go through the door, we track so we know what gets sold. Um, and then we do a little bit of a survey after the fair with the exhibitors where they give us um, their opinions, um, some of their very subjective feedback, but also they report on any after-sales that they've had, yeah, and the total sales uh, that they had at the fair, and they're very open um, with that information because they know we use it in order to improve ourselves, to get mm-hmm. better, to get better at marketing to the right audience. So those are numbers that are very important to us because yeah. that is um, why the fair can sustain itself and will survive. We are very interested in our galleries you know, breaking even and making a profit at a fair. So we look very closely at the art sales numbers. And then we also do the same thing actually with our visitors. So after the fair, we send a survey to our visitors Mm -hmm. and we ask for their feedback and we analyze that feedback very deeply. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we look at press hits that we got. Um, So there are actually a lot of very, yeah, objective measurements that we look at yeah, N- and
0: content-wise, do, do does an, uh, an art fair, do you get reviews in the New York Times or does anybody... Oh, they do.
1: Yeah, and thanks what, to Susanna.
0: <laughs> and we what do they say?
1: You know, I think so far, not I think, I know so far it's always been very positive mm-hmm. because we're not pretentious. Yeah. We're very transparent about who we are. Yes. And you either love it or you do not love it. Uh, yeah. But most of the time... Very few people find things to hate about Affordable Art Fair. Yeah. So we always get very wonderful reviews.
0: I see. Yeah. They're supporting you. Yeah. Well, the Affordable Art Fair is playing a very important role because you are really bringing great art to the masses. And uh, you educate people, you open up people to the art, and uh, people can evolve over time as their taste uh, uh, develops. What is your vision for for the affordable art fair going into the future? Will you branch out in not-so-affordable art fair or very affordable art fair or is it more like a a geographical expansion, different parts of the United States for instance?
1: It's very important that we stay true to our core. Mm. So I think it's very important that we keep offering contemporary original art under $10,000 to allow everybody to buy their first piece of art and fall in love with art and learn about art. So I think that's something that we always have to stay true to. There's always improvement that can be done. We Mm -hmm. can always form stronger partnerships, reach out to more galleries, bring in fresher content. But the core idea I think should remain as is and should not be changed. Um, There's always other cities that we are researching. um, And... It's always a possibility that's out there, um, but we have to do due diligence before we launch into a new market to mm-hmm. ensure that if we do launch into a new market, it's, success- it's successful um, and financially successful for our galleries to do with us. So research is always being done, but there is nothing on the immediate horizon. Um, and then Affordable Art Fair also rolled out an e-commerce platform um, that is currently available to all markets, yeah, but it's not launched on the um, U.S. dollar currency yet. So you can shop affordable art on our e-commerce platform today, mm-hmm. but it is in um, pound sterling. One of our goals is to roll out internationalization on the e-commerce platform, which is something that I'm really excited about because I think it really extends the life cycle of a gallery with us beyond yeah. the fair. And it's just... Um, very good way to complement our mission and what we do here.
0: In April, you can still go into your website and access those galleries as well, or those artists. Exactly. Is that that's correct, right?
1: Exactly. Not all of our galleries are online. Mm-hmm. It's a portion of our galleries um, currently. But yes, you can right now buy art online mm-hmm. after you've seen it at the fair. And I don't think it cannibalizes the actual experience of being at an art fair, mm-hmm. There's so much to be said for that experience and people will always want to come uh, to the Affordable Art Fair thing because we are so innovative and we offer more beyond that just shopping experience. Yeah, You know, it's like a 360 immersive art experience, you could say. Exactly. And that will always have its appeal.
0: Your personal taste in art, um, how would you describe that? Contemporary. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Abstract. Process driven, pretty German,
0: I would say.
2: <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean?
1: You know, just not flashy. Uh huh. Subtle. Uh huh. That's how I would. Any describe. examples
0: of artists that you uh, that you are?
1: Uh... I don't wanna.
0: I want to name names.
1: I don't want to name names, to be
0: honest. <laughs> okay. Because
1: then I'll, I'll get labeled as that person. Exactly. That. Yeah.
0: And your taste in, in interior decorating, what is that? Is that Nordic restraint? Is it just beige and uh, white, uh, IKEA, like I have? No? <laughs>
1: It's pretty Nordic. One could say it's pretty Nordic. However, I did recently move out too Far Rockaway, so I'm now by the beach and oh. my palette has become more cheerful um, and brighter. But it's very simplistic. Um, again, also very material driven. I'm yeah. just a fan of textures and um, different kind of finishes. So it's still very sleek with a beachy touch, I'd say.
0: Okay. Yeah. But you're branching out a little bit.
1: I'm branching out a little bit. Yeah. I'm adapting.
0: What about your husband? What te- what uh, kind of taste does he have?
1: Very similar taste, too. Wow. Um, no fights, then, at home? No fights at all. No, we're uh. pretty aligned. He Sometimes he he goes for the bolder lines. He really likes this artist, Cleon Peterson, for example.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He sometimes goes a bit bolder than I do. Yeah. More, I'm, My taste is pretty feminine, I would say.
0: I see. Yeah. Oh. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for checking in uh, yeah, on the podcast you. Art Insiders New York, and thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I think you're doing a great job uh, introducing uh, a lot of people to the joy of art. What could be more noble than that?
1: Thank you so much, Anders. It was a pleasure talking to you.
0: Thank you. And good luck in March.
1: Thank you. Break
0: a leg, maybe. That's what you say in the music business. Uh, Yeah. yeah. I don't want you to break a leg, but you know.
1: I'll take it. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And I'll see you there.
0: Absolutely. I will be there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. This is Art Insiders New York, and my name is Anders Holst. Thank you for listening and be sure to visit artinsidersnewyork.com to join the conversation and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode of the Art Insiders New York podcast, head over to iTunes, if you're not already there, to subscribe, rate and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This episode was produced by UOM LLC, Copyright 2020.